Okay, raise of hands. Who in this room likes to watch movies? Okay, I was going to say, if you didn't raise your hands, you're probably lying to me, but tonight, uh, the talk that, that I want to share with you has a lot to do with movies, and uh, I want you to think with me for just a second about a really good friend, someone that you can trust And I'm talking about that friend that uh, points out when you have chicken and broccoli stuck in your teeth from lunch. You know that friend, like you can rely on them. And so when this friend tells you about this movie that they saw and they're like, you won't believe what happens in the ending, you generally believe that friend. Say yeah? No? You don't believe the friend? You believe the friend because you trust them. So you watch this movie And even though there are points in the movie that, you know, aren't necessarily what you were expecting or there's hard things to watch, you don't care because you're waiting for the ending. You heard about how great that ending to the movie was. Now, what if I told you that God has the same ending written for our movie, our lives? that we each have access to this epic ending, a a movie that that we can't even begin to think about. God has already written that for our lives, and all we have to do is to trust, follow, and believe in Jesus. Uh, Now, my name is Zach Haney, and if we haven't uh, met yet, I am one of the eighth grade leaders. Where are my eighth graders at? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, thanks for the support, guys. <laughs> thanks. So, so I'm with the 8th graders, uh, and uh, later this year, Tim will launch a series, and I'll, I'll share a message that I know my 8th graders uh, were probably hoping for me to share tonight, and that's called Normal Isn't Working. And that's one that I share around uh, the country, and they love to ask me, hey, Zach, is normal still working? And I always tell them, it's not working. Still not working. It won't work this fall, and I'll give that, that talk later. Uh, but I do want to start with a little bit of background on myself, and I tell people that I wasn't a normal kid. So growing up, uh, I was fascinated in things that most kids could probably care less about. So my friends were interested in playing video games. I was interested in watching documentaries on Sam Walton, the guy that created Walmart, or Walt Disney. And while my brother and sister, you know, they received their allowances, they spent theirs on candy, whatever else they could buy, I saved and invested mine. There was this fascination with entrepreneurship. What could it look like if I could start my own business? I I longed for success. I wanted to be my own boss. And then in the fourth grade, something incredible happened. I created an email account. It's a big deal. That meant I could now contact companies around the country. I could talk to CEOs. I could write them emails, and they didn't need to know that I was some kid in fourth grade. And to my surprise, these companies would contact me back. They would call the home phone, requesting to speak with Mr. Zach Haney. My mom and dad, my mom would answer, and she'd go, well, you're going to have to call Zach back when he gets off the school bus at four. (laughs) I'd call him back. They would, of course, then be amazed that they were talking to a kid. Uh, But not just any kid. This is the kid they were communicating with. Now, I want it to be clear that what happens in FBC stays in FBC, so keep your phones away. (laughs) 
My mother provides these haircuts still today for free, so if you're interested, I'll hook you up. Year after year, I could not escape my mother's hands and scissors and... (laughs) I remember in first grade, the teacher saying, Zach, are are you practicing for your picture? I saw the one from last year in kindergarten. (laughs) This was my first grade picture. And it just got worse. Eventually, I just told my mom, I don't want anyone cutting my hair. I'm just going to grow it out. So this is what happened. (laughs) I went from the bowl cut to the mop head. And I think they called me mushroom head. I can't remember. It was one of those... I liked my locks, but I'm going (laughs) to skip out of that. (laughs) So maybe there are some of you in this room that share a similar interest in business. If you're going into business when you get out of high school, are you guys interested in business? Anyone in here? Entrepreneurship? Thinking about that in the future? Okay. So that is a passion that uh, I believe God placed on my heart very early on, and thankfully I was able to uh, realize what that passion was, and it was a passion that uh, stuck with me, one that I continued to, to follow. Uh, but I believe that our passions can change over time, and I also believe that the Lord can use each and every one of our passions if we allow him to do so. Now, for me personally, I am new to the FBC family. I've uh, been here about a year and a half, but I grew up in the Catholic Church. And so my background, my understanding of really who Jesus was, the relationship that I had with Jesus, it transformed when I began to attend here and to, when I started getting involved in this family. You know, as a, a young person growing up your age, we didn't have surge. We didn't have a youth group. We would get up. Sometimes, you know, we didn't want to get up, but we'd go to church, and there would be an old lady playing the organ and a priest, and I, I knew who Jesus was, but I, I didn't really know the love that he had for me, the purpose that he had for my life. And as a child, I was striving. I was striving to be the best. That's something that I struggle with. I want to be number one. I like to be in charge. I'm a business owner. I don't want people telling me what to do. And so there was this constant striving as a kid that I wanted to be number one. I wanted to be the best. And when I messed up, I couldn't make it or I wasn't as successful as the other kid I read about on the internet that owned this business. I would get negative. I would get down on myself. I would say things I shouldn't. And what I realized was I had to stop striving and start abiding in Jesus Christ. I had to allow God to be the writer of my movie. It's bright, huh? (laughs) You're awake now. I realized that Jesus came so I could stop striving. I no longer had to do that. We look at uh, Psalm 46, 8. It says, Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. But, but what does that look like? What does that look like for us to be still and know that he is who he says that he is? 
Well, I believe the first step uh, starts with letting go of control. So for me, I had to stop striving, start abiding in Jesus. But if you're like me, what do you crave? Oreos, right? (laughs) No, you crave control. How many of you in this room like to be in control? It feels good, right? We, We like to be in control of our own lives. And so in order to let go of that control, we have to we, we no longer have to strive, make our life turn out a certain way. We just have to abide in him. But ultimately, we have to go to God and we have to confess that need for control. We have to be honest with God because he already knows our thoughts. He knows our heart, but he wants us to talk to him. He wants us to come to him and say, God, I confess, I surrender my need for control I like being in charge. I like the way it makes me feel. It makes me feel like I have purpose. But God, I know that being a control freak isn't going to get me anywhere. I want to trust in you. I want to make it something I do on a daily basis so that I can surrender to you in any situation. We have to go to God. We have to be honest. And we have to let go of that control of our life. Now, giving up control for me was difficult. Um, it's still a challenge that I'm, I'm faced with, especially when it comes to relationships. Uh, now, there's a blonde girl sitting in the back next to Debbie over there, if you can just turn and look at her for a second. That's Anna Tag. And I met Anna Tag the old-fashioned way through Facebook. I slid into her DMs, and she responded direct message. Anna replied to my message. I went to Anna's profile and I noticed that she had a website. And I was like, okay, I'm going to check this out. I have my own website. I was like, this is weird, you know? So I, I check out her website and she likes to blog. She likes to write. And so I'm reading all of this stuff that, that Anna has experienced in her life. Uh, she was sharing it with everyone out there. And I'm like, I want to get to know her. So we went. We got coffee. Our next date, she invited me to FBC. I came here on that Sunday and never left. That was almost two years ago. But a, a few months into our relationship, Anna said four words to me. Do you know what those words were? It's four words. She said, we need to talk. Guys, you know what that means. You don't want to talk. So I'm like, no, let's, let's talk next month. I know what that means. Anna, uh, we sat down, we talked, and she said that she felt we needed to take a break. Now, of course, of course, I was, I was devastated. I didn't understand why. And it would have been easier for me to just say, okay, well, you know, it's it, it's over. I could talk to another girl. But I decided, maybe, I don't know, I decided to stick around. I decided that instead of trying to take on what my flesh desires and, you know, I want to get Anna back, I want to win her back over, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this to God. I decided I'm going to be Anna's friend. I put myself in her shoes and tried to understand 
what's Anna going through? Why, why is she having these feelings? What, what makes her feel this way? And ultimately, I just began to pray, began to pray for her, began to pray for any type of restoration, and it took months. It was a long time, but eventually God restored the relationship, and he continues to work on our hearts, and Anna, is it how many days? 57? 57 days and we'll be married. So, what do you need to do? You need to let God be the director. God is a much better writer. He's a much better director. Let go, surrender your need for control. I believe that no matter the situation, the circumstance that we're in, the the remedy for change is exactly the same, and I believe it is through the power of prayer. Now, for some of you, you may be like, "Uh, yeah, you know, I I try that, and it doesn't really go my way. Well, (laughs) let let me give you an example of of what this could look like. If if you're struggling with letting things go, uh, you know, in that that situation with Anna, I I really wanted to do it my way. But what worked for me, and maybe this will work for you, is write down the things that you are holding on to just so tightly that you, know, you don't want to give it to God, write those things down on a piece of paper and put them in front of you. Get on your knees, put them in front of you as if you were laying them at the feet of Jesus. Give it to him. I can tell you the outcome is going to be so much better if you allow God to be the director. Give it to God. But how easy is it for each one of us to forget that? That, that phrase, be still and know, you can look it up in Psalm 46.10. How easy is it for us to forget that? I think for me, it's a huge struggle. And it is something that I have to learn to do on a daily basis in every situation in life that comes my way. Uh, it's 16. Where are the 16-year-olds at in this room? Okay. More up front. So... I was your age, and I experienced something at that age that I never want to experience again. It was the night before my last day of sophomore school year, and I went to bed with this strange feeling in my chest. My heart started beating extremely fast. I had never experienced that before. I hadn't drank any caffeine or other substances and I remembered, I was like, well, you know what, I'll just sleep it off. That's usually what I do. You know, I don't tell mom and dad because they freak out about health things. And so I was like, it'll be gone in the morning. Well, I didn't sleep well that night, and it wasn't gone in the morning. I woke up, my heart was beating faster, and I decided I would just tell my parents that I'm going to check in with the nurse because I wasn't feeling very well, that it's possible she could send me home. So they're like, okay, yeah, go to school. I go to Nurse Farlow, walk in there, and I'm like, Mrs. Farlow, could you just take my pulse? Seems like my heart's beating kind of fast. And uh, she straps my arm up, and she goes, Zach, your heart rate is 138 beats per minute. We need to call your parents. You need to go to the doctor's office. And I was like, is that how fast it's going? (laughs) Before I could know it, my mom 
is, is rushing in and she's like, where is he? Where is Zach? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, mom, I didn't want to tell her. And she's like, Zach, why didn't you tell me about your heart? I'm like, because I knew you were going to do this, mom. I'm like, stop it. I'm class president. This is embarrassing. So mom freaks out in front of all the people at school and they load me in the van. They take me to the pediatrician's office. The pediatrician, you don't like going there at 16, you know? Little bandages, bandages with Superman. So they, they check me in there and they go, Zach, we can't do anything for you here. We need to get you over to the heart center. So they move me to the heart center in Topeka. And by this time, my heart rate had jumped an additional 100 beats. It was now in the 200s, and it was quickly approaching 300 beats per minute. I'm laying down on this table. Uh, They have all of these wires strapped to my chest. There's monitors, there's nurses, doctors, my mom, my dad. They're putting warm blankets on me, which feel pretty nice. But I'm sitting there, and all I can do is just listen to the beeps. And as I hear these beeps continue to get faster, and I watch the number on the screen continue to rise, in that moment... The last thing that I'm thinking is be still and know. I'm sitting there with all of these people looking at me and this device with weird jelly on it and it's touching my chest and my heart is just beating back. At 16 years old, I'm thinking I'm going to die. This is it. It's over. The cardiologist comes back in. Uh, My parents are with her after they're reviewing tests. And she looks at me and she goes, Zach, here's the thing. Legally, I can't work on you because you're under the age of 18. And our pediatric cardiologist is away on vacation. There's no one in Topeka available. We've checked, but we have called Children's Mercy in Kansas City. They're preparing a room for you, but we got to get you there now. So what am I thinking now? Again, this is it. You might as well just leave me here because I'm dead. I'm not going to make it an hour to Kansas City. They get me loaded, and my brother-in-law, Christian, uh, provides me with his iPod. And he's like, hey, man, I just want you to listen to some music. Uh, you know, Maybe it could help on your way down there. So I, I put this music on. It's his favorite worship playlist. And naturally, just on the way to Kansas City as I'm laying down, my thoughts started to change. It was like I was no longer telling myself, Zach, this is it. You're not going to make it. You're going to die. But I began to say things like, Zach, you're an overcomer. God's not finished with you yet. Help is on the way. And while I can't say that words alone can fix a health problem, I can say that the words that we say to ourselves are powerful. And I decided in that moment 
that I would begin to speak words of victory into my life, and I wasn't going to keep telling myself, Zach, you're going to die, because it wasn't helping the situation. We roll into uh, Kansas City, and uh, they did not chop my hair off, by the way. I actually decided to get it cut. But uh, get into Kansas City, and by this time, my heart rate had actually began to drop. It was slowing down on its own. Uh, They still decided to perform heart surgery, uh, cardiac ablation surgery, where they would go in and cauterize areas of the heart in order to slow down the electrons so that the the lower chamber wouldn't beat faster than the top chamber. Um, But I think what's important, and in that situation, any situation we're going through, is to remember that God is there to fight those battles, whether it be a physical battle. But, you know, we talked about it just a few weeks ago uh, in Exodus there. Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Talking about the parting of the Red Sea where, you know, God had them. Moses is is, is sharing that there. And and I think that... uh, You know, for me too, just getting the chance to go over this again and prepare this speech for you, what a great reminder it is for my life because I realize now that I need God to do the casting in my life. The people that I surround myself with, the relationships. uh, When I started coming here with Anna, being able to, to be introduced to a group of believers, people I can do life with. Because we never know what situations are around the corner. Just like movies, there are crazy turns. Two weeks after that heart surgery, I'm back at home in Topeka recovering. And my uncle, who was battling acute lymphoblastic leukemia, Uncle Randy, was moved to the local hospice house. Now, my family on my dad's side were really close. So close, in fact, we all live on the same street. As a kid, it was awesome. You could run down to grandma's when you were in trouble. She would give you food and wouldn't even ask questions. You could go next door, play with your cousins, and then my parents and siblings are down the street. But it was the morning of June 10th. It was a Sunday, and I woke up to a voice coming from downstairs. And I remember thinking to myself, now that is odd, because I knew that my dad, Ron, was at the fire station. He was at work. And I knew my mom, Heidi, was with my Aunt Mary and Uncle Randy at the hospice house. And I was like, my brother and sister are definitely not up yet. So I grabbed whatever clothes I could find. I I swung the door open, and I'm at the top of the banister, and coming up the staircase is my dad. He's in his uniform, and by this time, my sister Chelsea is walking down the hallway, and my, my little brother Nick is coming out of his room. And as we're up at this banister, my dad gets to the top step and he looks at us. He goes, you guys, we received a call this morning. My guys are down the street right now. It's grandpa and we can't bring him back. What? You mean Uncle Randy? I take off down the street I go inside and I see my grandmother standing there talking to one of dad's firefighters and I just go up and I hug her. 
I tell her that I love her. And I decide that I need to go next door because I knew my cousin Brienne, who has autism, was home alone. And I go to her house and I knock on her door. And Brienne comes to the door and she goes, Zach, what's going on out there? And I go, Brie, Grandpa passed away this morning. But Zach, my dad is going to pass away today. Within six hours, my uncle had lost his battle to cancer. In one day, we lost two family members from totally separate causes. Something that we never planned or or could anticipate. And it seems like in life, so many times there are these these whys and these things that, that we have to have figured out. And, and I can't tell you that in that moment I wasn't trying to do that because I was. I was upset. I was depressed. I was angry. But I think what's important for us to remember is that God will take care of the ending. And we need to let God take care of the ending. And that in these situations... Nobody, nobody has the right to tell us who we are. They didn't make you. We have a God who made us, a God who made us for a purpose, period. God says, you are who I made you to be. I think that God wants us not to be the sum or, or think that we are the sum of what we did, but yet what God did for us and for our lives. God has picked each and every one of us for his movie. We are the star in God's movie. It's not anything that, that you've done that is too big for God to take on. He's there to be for us, not against us. That's who our God is. I have been accepted by Christ. No matter our loneliness, our lostness, our brokenness, the the things in life that just don't make sense, those, those whys, why is this happening, why is this going on, God is saying, I want you to let go and let me. Come to God and surrender because we can't figure these things out on our own. The lost was found. We were once lost. We were in darkness. But we have a God that will come to us. A God that will come and find us. He will break down any wall to be where you are. It's not just a a, a cute parable. These are not just things that, that we put aside. This is our story. This is our ending. Ultimately, uh, in any situation that uh, in my life I've gone through, you know, there's, just like in any good movie, there, there are positive moments, there are moments not so positive. I feel like we owe it to God because he deserves to be praised no matter in the situations of losing family members or going through uh, some physical pain that, that we owe it to God to say, God, thank you. Thank you for this life. Thank you for the chance to grow up so close to my family, to have experiences with my grandfather, to to know my uncle and my cousins. Thank you for that. 
Give God the praise in all of those situations. I believe that where we seek him, you will find him. But what does that look like? Because trusting in God is a lifelong process. It's something that we have to do on a daily basis. And if we aren't tuned in, we're not focused on him, we lose track. We, be, we begin to forget the ending that he has just waiting for us. Trust in God's plan. Easier said than done, but each one of you are in this room. You're more connected because you're together You are there for each other. God will be faithful. He will lead us where he wants us to go. And ultimately, you will seek me and find me where you seek me with all your heart. My prayer is that in the the circumstances of life, the situations that come our way, that each one of you in this room will know that we have a God who has an incredible story for your life if you are willing to just trust, listen, and follow Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you for the opportunity to come together and be in your word this evening. Father, there are situations in our life that are just beyond our control. Sometimes, Lord, our lives feel like that Hollywood movie and we just aren't sure what direction they're going, what, what plot, what, what twist, God, but, but you know the ending. You've, you've written the script. You know the plan for our life, God. Allow us to open our hearts to be willing to seek, find, and follow you. Father, there are people in this room, they, they may not be sure why they're, they're here this evening, God. They may be asking questions like, you know, people are, are, are liking my life on Instagram and Facebook, but man, I don't even like the life I'm living. God, for those people, be there for them. Meet them there in their moment of need. We need you, God. Help us to let go and to give more control to you. It's in your name we pray.